TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. The horrifying attack on the Highland Park Independence Day Parade rightfully grabbed the headlines across the country this past week. But there were deaths and dozens shot on the streets of Chicago, too. And there are families mourning and lives shattered. Sadly, shootings are expected in Chicago, but they cannot be accepted as normal. This weekend, we're going to talk with someone who's working to ensure that that is never the case. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. There are many who feel there are too many guns on our streets, too many weapons that come out during arguments when in the past fists might have been raised if there was violence. Well, we talk a lot about the problem. Well, this weekend we're going to discuss solutions. My guest is someone whose career has been dedicated to finding solutions to violence and despair and putting them into effect. We turn to Chicago's west side in a 150-year-old organization called UCAN. UCAN strives to develop strong young people and help build strong families. Spoiler alert, doing that is one of the ways to combat gun violence. Well, joining me via Zoom conferencing is Krista Hamilton. She is UCAN's president and CEO. It is a job she's had since last September. Before Ms. Hamilton joined UCAN, she headed the Centers for New Horizons on the South Side, and she is the first woman and first African-American to uh, head the organization. I admit, I find that surprising when we're talking about uh, the year 2021 when you took over. Um, but I, 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 do, I do know that uh, Tom Vandenberg was the, uh, was the head of the group for like, what, 28 years? So, so, yeah. so, so okay, it's possible, but still, first African-American and woman. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, Craig. You know, it, it has been such an honor to lead this organization. Um, Tom Vandenberg, he has done an amazing job. He's been connected with UCAN for nearly 35 years. Um, he's a true advocate for the people and the community. Um, but it was time, right? It was time 75% of the workforce is um, our African-American women at UCAN. Uh, about 90% of the, the families that we work with are African-American. So I think it was a, a really um, good next step for the board to make the decision to put someone at the helm that is reflective of the people that are doing the work and that we are working for. So it, it has just been a tremendous honor um, to work alongside you know, the nearly 500 staff that we have. 
Well, and it, it's wonderful to have you. And I will echo your 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 feelings about uh, Tom Vandenberg. Uh, in fact, uh, it was on the subject of violence that he and I first met, and he has been on this program before. Um, Krista Hamilton, first tell us a little bit more about what UCAN is and what it does. Absolutely. We are a 153-year-old organization. We started off as an orphanage for young people who are disconnected from their families during the Civil War. Um, and 153 years later, we are still doing that work. So a really big part of our portfolio is working with um, the Department of Children and Family Services. We take care of children that are disconnected from their biological parents, um, either through our residential programs, um, our foster care programs, or our transitional living programs. Um, so that is what we do now. We have a staff of over 500 um, people that are working with those young people. But then we have a continuum of, of care, which is what we call it. And that's where our violence prevention, our workforce development, our youth development, and our behavioral health and therapeutic day schools come in. You know, when those kids are disconnected and become um, in custody or care of the state of Illinois, we want to have those other programs to support them. Um, a big part of what we'll be talking about today is our violence prevention work. I think about nearly 10 years ago, um, under Tom's leadership and his vision, he launched the Violence Prevention Department um, and, and really closely connected to some of his own personal experiences with losing a child um, to gun violence. Him and I have some um, close connection around that. You know, I lost my my one of my nephews in 2014 to gun violence. So I know firsthand what that feels like, the grief and the trauma that it brings to a family, uh, which is why just kind of uh, jumping around a little bit in my former organization centers for New Horizons, which is why I took um, an approach to bring violence prevention to that organization. So, you know, I'm new to UCAN, um, but I'm not new to violence prevention. So I've been doing this work for about six, seven or eight years, helping to build these programs um, with other stakeholders in the community. So at, at UCAN, we have a, a staff of nearly 60 individuals um, that are on the ground doing this work daily in communities. Hmm. Uh, well, let's talk about some of that work. Uh, and last weekend, that holiday weekend that saw the tragic shootings in Highland Park, 10 people were killed and dozens shot in Chicago. And uh, a New York Times newsletter that was out uh, this weekend labeled it everyday violence, which is, you know, kind of a, a, a disheartening and scary description, but also sadly accurate. Uh, stat statistics from the University of Chicago Crime Lab back that up. There are shootings every day. But but Krista, what is it that we're really seeing on the streets when we see this kind of, of pervasive violence? Oh, you're seeing more and more people become traumatized, um, which is making it very hard for them to move forward, right? So that is some of the work that we do. Uh, the mission of our organization is to support youth that have been, that have suffered trauma to become leaders. Um, and that's, that's a real thing. It's actually scientific, you know, that's something that I had to learn doing this work. Um, when you are exposed to a level of gun violence, um, it becomes a chemical uh, imbalance in your brain, right? So it takes, um, it takes the different types of support to help treat those um, 
to treat that exposure. You know, so, you know, exposure to gun violence becomes, it can lead to post-traumatic stress disorder, antisocial behavior, depression, um, stunted cognitive and emotional development, risky alcohol and substance, um, substance use abuse, and, and the likeliness to be involved in further violence. And one of the approaches that me, you uh, can, and other organizations that are doing this work, we use cognitive behavioral therapy. We're using a lot of behavioral health support to help treat it because it is literally in a disease at this point. Um, you know, we've heard that violence is a public health crisis and, and that is true and you can't treat it the same way. Um, you know, you, you can't look at it in, in isolation, you got to think of the whole person. So, you know, all of those root causes of gun violence is what organizations like you can, what we're trying to treat, right? Um, the the inequities in the inequities and resources um, in neighborhoods. You know, we are bringing resources to communities. We are bringing employment opportunities to combat poverty, underperforming schools. We are working with school systems to strengthen performance, um, opportunities and hopelessness, you know, and access to firearms. So we have to really address what those root causes and why gun violence is happening in our communities. Unfortunately, it is an everyday occurrence. Um, you know, Craig, what you and I were talking about before we went on air, I live in the community. I work in the community. Um, I, I have to be honest and say that at times when I'm with my children, I am very nervous that we can get hit by a stray bullet because we know that it's happening all around us. Um, it's, you know, so closely connected. I said that I have a staff of almost 60 individuals doing street outreach. Two weeks ago, we lost one of our street outreach workers to gun violence. So, you know, as he's doing the work, um, we still have we still have that risk of what happens to those guys that are on the ground, well, men and women that are on the ground in communities. They are risking their own lives to help mitigate violence in our communities because you know a stray bullet could hit them at any time, and it has hit them. You know, it has um, it gotten very close to people, and and that's something that we always have to think about each and every day. And I think something else that we have to think about is that. There are everyday people living amid that everyday violence. And, uh, you know, what does it do to a community when people do have to look over their shoulders and listen out for sounds that may tell them that, you know, when they're just going about their business, going to the store, going to the, uh, you know, L station, and you've, you've got to be looking around all the time for, for danger, that's got to do something to, to everyday life. It creates trauma. Um, it, it creates lots of trauma, and then it also creates fear. You know, in the community, you expect you want to be able to have a block party in a community. You want to be able to go to the neighborhood parks in your community. Um, kids should be able to play basketball at the at the park, um, but that's not always the reality in, in our communities. And I mean, I know many of people that live in community, and you know, they're just kind of running in and out of their homes because they don't want to be caught in that type of crossfire. But then the lack of the community structure and the lack of that closeness creates more of the disconnection that that perpetuates the violence. Um, so, you know, that that is a cycle um, and some of the systemic the issues that we have to deal with within our communities. Let's let's talk. About, I mean, let's talk about some of that one at a time. First, the healing, the trauma. 
and I know that is of the things you, of your mission, that is one part of your mission, are the resources there to address the amount of trauma in those areas. And I know, you know, what you were talking about earlier, one of the, we get a lot of catchphrases when we're talking about this kind of thing. And one of them is hurt people, hurt people. Uh, but are there enough people to treat the hurt people to keep them from hurting people? So then the second part of that is, um, you know, uh, one of my good friends, Eddie Bocanegra, um, who you may be familiar with, he, he yes. left Radio Chicago and now he's gone on to do some other bigger things. You know, he was the first person that I heard say healed people, healed people, healed people, heals people. And mm. I and I and and I wanted to, you know, and I've kind of started thinking in it that way, because when I think about our street outreach workers, they are people that some of them have hurt people. Um, and now they're on the healing side of things. And, you know, when you talk to this group of individuals, they really want to be a part of changing the community. So they are working to heal people. They are doing that work, which is why I say they, they're risking their own lives to do it um, when they go out into community. But back to the, the hurt people, hurt people, you know, where do you start? And you said, do we have enough resources? I will say, um, in, in all of my years, and I've been leading nonprofits now for nearly 10 years, um, I've seen the most investment in a, in a particular issue that I've ever seen in the last couple of years, like the last two years. So I, I do want to commend, you know, foundations, public and private, or, you know, um, stakeholders that are investing the resources. Now the problem is having enough people to do the work. You know, um, we know that trauma is something that is a cognitive issue. Um, and, and most of us would say that, you know, the African-American community, there's a stigma around mental health services. I'm here to say that that has changed. Um, I've seen a lot of people who you normally would not think would be interested in, in therapy that are being very receptive to it. But now we just don't have enough therapists that look like us. Um, now there's not enough people from the community doing the work. So we didn't prepare for this, right? We, it takes years to become a, a mental health professional. So we don't have the supply of individuals to do the work that needs to be done. So we've done a good job of mobilizing people and getting them on board to understand that they need this type of mental health support. But we didn't do a good job preparing for that demand. We don't have the supply um, of therapists available. So I'm having a very hard time in my organization, I know others are as well, um, looking, finding mental health professionals to help us do the work. So many of our funders are being very supportive and allowing us the, the dollars to do it, but we don't have enough people to do the work now. Do you have any sense of, of how long it's going to take to be able to get the services to catch up. And, and, and I know one of the other issues is, you know, maybe there's a certain percentage of the therapists who, who don't represent the community, who are still knowledgeable enough to be able to operate within the community. Absolutely. And we're, and we're not saying at all, um, we are definitely, I mean, they work in my organization, people that necessarily don't look like the community and they do an outstanding job. Um, but there's just a shortage overall, right? So as, as we want to be reflective of the community, there's just simply a shortage of mental health professionals to do the work. 
luckily we have some, you know, these new innovative approaches like telehealth, um, Zoom. So we're able to fit more people in um, because we can do some of these new innovative approaches. But then the, the people that we're working with have to have the technology to do so. So it's if you don't, if you don't live by yourself, um, it's hard to have a, a appointment with your therapist in a house full of people. So, you know, there, there's just a couple other different challenges that we're facing, but we're trying to be ex as extremely creative as we can possibly be. So if it's telehealth, if it's, if it's texting, uh, whatever we can do to connect with individuals, you know, one of our roles at UCAN, our goal is to be a, an ecosystem of support for individuals that don't have it. Right, so we are bringing financial resources, um, you know, case management resources, referrals. We're bringing all those things together, and our outreach workers, our case managers, our therapists—they're almost on call 24 hours a day. Once we connect with a person, you know, we become their people, and and they're texting us, they're calling us when they are in crisis, um, you know, if they need help making decisions. And, and, you know, I just commend my team and so many other teams across the city who are doing this work. Um, and, you know, people may not recognize all of the work and, and, you know, all of the time that we are spending to really try to change the trajectory of, of folks' lives. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. We're talking about getting to the root causes of violence with Krista Hamilton, the president and CEO of the social service organization, UCAN. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about that, about those causes, uh, because, you know, there are so many facets to the problem, you know, as you were ticking them off, guns, it's it's job opportunities, but you know, let's 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 go down that list because you know one of your aims is to build strong families, and uh, I mean, talk about the kind of challenges that you face uh, in in building those strong communities that are safe enough for people to to feel connections. You know, um, one of my primary um, sources of reducing violence has been jobs. So, you know, financial stability, lots of time crime is committed because of lack of income. So we have a strong workforce development department at UCAN. You know, each year we're placing almost a thousand individuals in employment opportunities. And these are opportunities that are sustainable, um, livable wage jobs. And we're doing it through transitional job work which is subsidized employment. We're doing it through job training, vocational schools. So that is, you know, one of the first, what we've seen, one of the first steps to reducing violence in family. And we, we can't only just work with the person who is the perpetrator of violence. Uh, we have programs um, for victims of violence. So, you know, it could not, you don't have to be the, the primary victim. You could be, you know, um, an immediate family member of a victim. So when individuals are shot, um, we're going into that family and saying, what resources can we bring to you? And, you know, part of it is the mental health that we talked about, but also, you know, poverty, um, insufficient income is a huge driver for violence. So that is one of the things that, you know, we are attacking face um, head on. Right now, I think we have maybe 500 young people in summer job opportunities, which can lead to other opportunities once the summer is over. Uh, 
in some families there's a there's a, a conflict i remember back in the back in the day when Whoopi goldberg was known as a stand-up comedian as opposed to a, a program host she had a routine where she portrayed a parent who was a afraid of her child and but also that child was this was the breadwinner of the family <laughs> because of doing bad things and do you run across any of that and and where do parents go when they see a problem and i don't i don't want to refer to a child as a problem but that a situation uh is in the home and how do you get out of it you know that's a really interesting question um and really on target with what we do at UCAN. so as i mentioned earlier we work closely with the Department of Children and Family Services. Um, and we have a residential program. And we have some of those situations. Some of the young people in our programs, you know, they their parents are afraid of them or they have created those, um, they, they do have those tensions in their families. We do, we have a duo approach of engagement. So not only do we work with the young person, which is our primary focus at UCAN, but we work with those families as well. So we are, we are bringing on programs. We are offering counseling to families. We do family counseling. We're doing job placement for adults as well. So we do have a duo focus um, at our organization because you're right. Um, you know, one of the things that we look to strengthen in the future is having more family focused activities because what we know is we can help a child as much as possible. Um, we can we can infuse all these resources when they're with us in programs, but when they go back into the community into their homes, they need um, they need further support. They need more um, engagement um, in the home environment. So we want to strengthen that at, at UCAN, and that's one of the things that we are looking at into our new you know, kind of fiscal year, how do we create more family building opportunities? Um, because that's what's really going to change the community at large. And one thing I've heard from uh, the, uh, the, the partnership of groups like yours is that young people, you know, some people see young people as the problem, but they can also be, and in fact, may or definitely part of the solution uh, that's that's the core of your work. And I know you even uh, celebrated some young people uh, recently uh, with awards. So talk about how young people are becoming the solution, not just the uh, the healed people, healing people, but that they're that they really want more for their, themselves and their communities. Young people are the future. Um, they're absolutely the future. And, and if we wanna, if we wanna, if we wanna invest in our future, then we have to invest in young people. You know, one of our goals is to make sure we want everybody to feel like they are an asset to the community and help them recognize what the value they bring to the community. Um, we like to give young people leadership development so they can be leaders. We're only gonna touch a small percentage of young people in community, but we want them to have the skills to be change agents. You know, in one of the programs that we work closely with, Ready Chicago, a couple of years ago, I was working with a group um, of known shooters. They, they, they carried guns with them. They had shot people, they'd been to jail, um, but our, our program was working and they were participating in cognitive behavioral therapy every day 
for 18 months. And one of the young men told me, he was like, you know, Miss Hamilton, it was some guys um, arguing over a dice game. He's like, normally, you know, we would have, we would have shot them, right? We would have shot them um, and, and scared them. He said, but because of what we learned in here, he's like, I thought about it and I talked to him and, you know, I helped mediate the relationship. And that meant so much to me to know, like, that is how he's handled things for over 20 years of his life. Um, but the, the treatment that we gave him worked. And he was able to defuse a situation and teach others how to defuse a situation. And he was so proud of it. And, and that is what I think is the time these problems did not occur overnight. It took years and years to get people to where they are to, to deal with this trauma. Um, it's going to take some time to get people to think in a different way, because that is what we're trying to do, help them think in a different way. Um, but our, our young people are absolutely the future. And when we invest the time and the resources into them, I am, I am here to say that it definitely works. I don't want to let you get out of here without uh, talking about one other problem that I know is an, is an issue, and that is housing. Uh, that's something that we don't think about that often, but how does that figure into the, the idea of community? Housing is a huge issue. Um, by true definition, the majority of the young people that we work with are homeless meaning that they're couch surfing, they're living with someone else, they don't have a lease or agreement in their name. Um, and it really disrupts everything that they want to do. It's really hard to talk about going to work every day and be attentive and focused when you don't know where you're gonna lay your head at night. Um, and, and that, so we have to address the housing issue sometimes before we can connect you with employment, before we can connect you with the, a, career or, or um, education opportunity, because that instability really impacts um, the, the plan that, that we want to set for young know, people. The problem is um, many of the people that, the, that we deal with in our violence prevention department are young Black men. There's not a lot of programs to connect young Black men to housing. Um, even in shelter opportunities, you know, they are the, the last priority um, to, to get into a shelter. So that's, that's a challenge. Um, that is a systemic issue that we have to address in some way. You can, does not traditionally do housing. We work with partners that um, offer housing opportunities. One of our partners, Heartland Alliance, you know, they've been really good at connecting um, young people with housing. But that is truly um, one of the barriers to success in many of our, our young people that we deal with is the homelessness. Mm -hmm. um, I met you uh, at a, an event with uh, Senator Dick Durbin, who has been uh, trying to get funding for efforts like yours. Uh, how is the funding and the fundraising going for this kind of, you, you mentioned, at least for the mental health part of it, that it's it's encouraging. How is it overall? Overall, I, I feel very encouraged um, by the amount of funding and support that we have received at UCAN. You know, it shows that our, we have demonstrated evidence that we have a successful program um, and people have confidence in our program. And what we need is, you know, the thing that I will continue to say is just 
sustainable funding. Right, we don't want to come into communities and create and develop programs that cannot be sustained um, throughout time. Right, and and we need time to do this. Like I mentioned earlier, it took years and years um, to get us to this place, and it's going to take years for us to to strengthen ourselves to to develop out of it. Um, so. What I am encouraged by is that it looks like the, the funding that we have will be longer term and will allow us to create a stable workforce, to create stable programs that people can fully transition through. Um, and that is what, you know, that is my hope for funders that um, continue to work with us, that they will allow us the time um, to, to really be able to see the results and impact of the work that we're doing. And uh, just so if people want to learn more about what's going on at UCAN, what's your website? Yes, www.ucanchicago.org. We are always looking for individuals to, to connect with us, um, either through their time, their talent, or their treasure. So feel free to check us out um, at our website. And, you know, there's a lot of exciting things going on in our organization that people can connect and plug into. Thank you so much. That is Krista Hamilton, the uh, president and CEO of UCAN. Thanks for spending the half hour with me. Um, to our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. There's a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcast on odyssey.com. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, 105.9 WBBM. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.